Let us pray. God of wisdom, as we listen to the reading of scripture today, let your word fill our hearts and minds so that our faith will grow strong in Christ on whom our lives are built. Amen. The Old Testament this morning is taken from the book of Genesis, chapter 18, verses 20 to 32. So the Lord told Abraham, I've heard a great outcry from Sodom and Gomorrah because their sin is so flagrant. I am going down to see if their actions are as wicked as I have heard. If not, I want to know. The other men turned and headed towards Sodom, but the Lord remained with Abraham. Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away both the righteous and the wicked? Suppose you find 50 righteous people living there in the city. Will you still sweep it away and not spare it for their sakes? Surely you wouldn't do such a thing, destroying the righteous along with the wicked. Why would you be treating the righteous and the wicked exactly the same? Surely you wouldn't do that. Should not the judge of all the earth do what is right? And the Lord replied, If I find 50 righteous people in Sodom, I will spare the entire city for their sake. Then Abraham spoke again. Since I have begun, let me speak further to my Lord, even though I am but dust and ashes. Suppose there are only 45 righteous people rather than 50. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And the Lord said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 righteous people there. Then Abraham pressed his request further. Suppose there are only 40. And the Lord replied, I will not destroy it for the sake of 40. Please don't be angry, my Lord, Abraham pleaded. Let me speak. Suppose only 30 righteous people are found. The Lord replied, I will not destroy it if I find 30. Then Abraham said, since I have dared to speak to the Lord, let me continue. Suppose there are only 20. And the Lord replied, then I will not destroy it for the sake of 20. Finally, Abraham said, Lord, please don't be angry with me if I speak one more time. Suppose that only 10 are found there. And the Lord replied, then I will not destroy it for the sake of 10. Our responsive reading this morning is taken from Psalm 138. Please stand if you're able and join me in this responsive reading. I give thanks, O, God, o Lord, with all my heart. I will sing your praises before the gods. I bow before your holy temple as I worship. I praise your name for all your unfailing love and faithfulness for your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. As soon as I pray, you answer me. You encourage me by giving me strength. Every king in all the earth will thank you, Lord, for all of them will hear your words. Yes, they will sing about the Lord's ways, for the glory of the Lord is very great. Though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble but keeps his distance from the proud. Though I am surrounded by troubles, you will protect me from the anger of mine enemies. 
You reach out your hand, and the power of your right hand saves me. The Lord will work out his plans for my life. And faithful love, Lord, endures forever. Don't abandon me, for you made me. Thank you. You may be seated. Our New Testament reading this morning is from the book of Colossians, chapter 2, verses 6 to 15. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him, and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth, in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you are complete through your, through your union with Christ, who is head over every ruler and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. And finally, this morning, our gospel reading is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 11, verses 1 to 13. Once, Jesus was in a certain place praying. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Don't let us yield to temptation. Then, teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Your fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do not give them a snake instead. Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, 
how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Praise be to God for his holy word. Amen. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Two weeks ago, one of the residents of our church home took a stroke, and she returned from the hospital unable to speak. It is extremely frustrating for her, as she loves to have conversations with staff and other residents. And actually, she's one of the people who usually calls for help for others who can't express themselves. She's been trying to write, but that's a slow and tedious process for someone who is so physically weak at the moment. I used to work with preschool children who have autism, and communication was often difficult for them. For some children, screaming might be the only way to protest or to draw attention to something. And that's why so much of their early therapy focuses on learning to communicate in a functional way, be it verbally or through pictures. We all need to communicate in order to thrive. But sometimes it seems like good communication is a lost art. Tweets and sound bites are the extent of some of our politicians' communication, and our attention spans seem to be shrinking. Today's Old Testament and Gospel readings provide us some insight into communicating with God. In the Old Testament, we witness a conversation between God and Abraham that is quite unique. There's a good deal of give and take in this conversation that we don't often find in the scripture stories of encounters between God and people. The conversation between God and Abraham reveals much about their relationship. God questions whether there are any good people left in Sodom. And Abraham understands God to mean that they will be wiped out if there's truth to the rumors of great sinfulness in the people. Now Abraham's nephew Lot and his family lived in Sodom, so Abraham doubtless had some concerns about his family being destroyed along with everyone else. So he ventured to question God a little in order to find out. Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not forgive it for the 50 righteous who are in it? Abraham then continues in this way until God agrees that God will save the city for the sake of 10 righteous people. It might be helpful for us to look at some of Abraham's assumptions about God in this conversation. There is first an acknowledgement of God's power, a power that is greater than that of Abraham or any person. God can destroy a city and all the people that are in it if God wishes. Abraham believes that God is powerful. 
Second, there's an assumption that God is forgiving. Will you not forgive, asks Abraham, implying that forgiveness should be the default setting for this God and that it would be unusual for God to do otherwise? Abraham believes that God is a forgiving God. He also cites God as being just. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? Abraham questions whether a just God would destroy the righteous along with the sinful. In other words, would a just God treat the righteous as collateral damage? Abraham believes that God is just. He also believes that God is one to be both respected and feared. He prefaces some of his comments with, please don't be angry, but there's never an assumption that God and Abraham are equals in any way. Abraham questions God as a servant might with deference. He says, let me take it upon myself to speak to the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. In this way, Abraham acknowledges that he is a mere mortal, talking to one who is holy, above and beyond his understanding. Abraham believes that God is to be both respected and feared. But he does question God, and that implies that the relationship between Abraham and God is strong enough to allow some questioning. Abraham's pleas are not ignored or dismissed simply because he is not God. As a matter of fact, God allows that perhaps things can be reconsidered after listening to Abraham. Abraham's conversation offers us a lot to think about as far as communicating with God. Now in the gospel reading, we have Jesus responding to a request from the disciples to teach them to pray. In essence, they're asking, how do we talk with God? So Jesus models for them what we now call the Lord's Prayer. And then he tells them a parable about a friend who persists in asking for help. And even though the man doesn't want to help, he gives in because his friend just won't stop. Now this part of the parable reminds me of several very frustrating conversations I've had lately with some airline representatives. They changed our travel plans with the result that we would lose a day of vacation and we would have to travel from one airport to another in Toronto just to catch the next flight. Now, normally, I can be a law and order person. I accept things from authority. But in this case, I decided that I just wouldn't. And so there followed several conversations and what seemed like hours of one song being replayed as I was put on hold. I think they do one song on purpose, so you'll hang up. And many employees reading to me from their script. I'm sorry, this is how we are accommodating you. So I simply persisted in saying, this is not accommodating at all. You need to change it. 
until finally they gave in and found us more acceptable arrangements. So in that case, persistence really did pay off. In the Gospel reading, it sounds like Jesus is saying the same thing. But I read one commentary that said, the temptation is to interpret Jesus' parable as an indication that God needs cajoling, or at least that the hallmark of Christian prayer is persistence. The Greek word, however, is better translated as shamelessness. And so it implies a boldness that comes from familiarity. So also Jesus intimates, should we be bold to offer our petitions to God, shamelessly calling on God to keep God's promises? Well, my conversation with the airline representatives involved no familiarity. It was simply a matter of persistence, holding out longer than the person on the other end of the line. But a boldness that comes from familiarity assumes a relationship between the two who are having the conversation. And it could be argued that that's what Abraham was exhibiting, a boldness that came with familiarity. Even though Abraham believed that God was powerful and one to be feared and respected, he had enough familiarity with God to be bold in speaking to him. They had a strong enough relationship that he could risk speaking up and saying his piece. Well, like Abraham, some of our own beliefs about God will be implicit in how we approach God. Do we believe that God is powerful, that God can change lives? Do we have a healthy respect for the one who created us? I heard a sermon a few weeks ago that reminded the congregation that God is not like us. God is not our buddy who thinks like us or acts like us. We need to approach God with respect as Abraham did. At our best, we should be trying to be more like God, not expecting God to be more like us. But God did take the step of becoming like us in order to save us. We are Christians because of the incarnation, God with us, Emmanuel. Our relationship with God is strengthened because we can look to the life of Jesus Christ, who is both fully human and fully divine. Jesus gives us insight into who God is. In Hebrews it says, long ago God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the worlds. In our gospel passage this morning, Jesus reminds us that God is compassionate and generous, more so than we can ever be. Jesus encourages us to speak with God 
and to listen to what God might be saying to us. And this is not just a solitary pursuit. We don't just work on our personal relationship with God through solitary prayer. Jesus taught the disciples to pray as a community, to seek out God's will as a community, and to read scripture together as a community. In times of crisis, or in situations where we are unsure of where we are going, we need to turn to God in prayer, as individuals and as a worshiping community. We need to be deliberate about listening to what God has to say to us, even if it's something we don't want to hear. But we can be bold to ask for God's help, to expect that God is aware and active and listening to us. For everyone who asks, receives, everyone who searches, finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Amen.